Well, good morning, guys. If we haven't met yet, my name's Hans. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to see you guys here and great to have the NTE crew uh, serving us. It's been great, hasn't it? Um, you'll need that uh, passage from the Bible open as we look at it. Um, and we're going through uh, some really dense uh, verses as we lead up to Easter, but they're all about Jesus. And so wherever we're at with Jesus, I pray that you would walk away from today knowing a little bit more about him and more ready and more willing and able to worship him with our whole lives. So why don't we pray to that end and we'll jump in. Let's pray. Father God, as we uh, look at your word and as we hear you speak through your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to us. Help us to be changed as we hear your word, as you speak to us. Lord, I pray for those of us here who are figuring out where they're at with you. Lord, I pray that we would hear what you are saying to us. And may may we take steps to know you more. For those of us who do follow you, I pray that we would be changed to be more like the people that you want us to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I became a Christian when I was 14, and as most 14-year-old boys, I was totally unsubtle about what I said. And uh, when I became a Christian, one of my friends said that I was like Ned Flanders crossed with Rambo, right? I was very holy and quite aggressive about my faith, right? And I can remember having this conversation with one of my school schoolmates, and I said, well, where are you at with Jesus? Uh, you're either for him or against him. And she said, well, I'm on the fence about Jesus, And unsubtly, I said, well, uh, Satan owns the fence. And she goes, well, you know, she thought that was weird, and I guess I was a bit weird back then. And I hope I'm a bit more subtle now, but but the intent is the same. You, You cannot be on the fence about Jesus. Jesus is such a polarizing figure and such a confronting figure that you've got to make a decision. You're either following Jesus or you're not. Either he is every, everything he said he was, or he's someone who you can safely ignore, right? I read a small, a short novel a number of years ago. I don't read novels much, but it was by Flannery O'Connor, and it was called A Good Man is Hard to Find. It's a weird little story, and at the center of this story, there's this guy named Misfit, And uh, he is going around killing all the people in his family one by one. And he's about to kill his grandmother when she starts talking about Jesus. And here's what Misfit, the murderer, says. Jesus was the only one that ever raised the dead. And he shouldn't have done it. He's thrown everything off balance. If he did what he said, then it's nothing for you to do but throw away everything and follow him. And if he didn't, then it's nothing for you to do, but enjoy the few minutes you've got left the best way you can by killing someone or burning down his house or doing some other meanness to him. No pleasure but meanness. Now, I totally disagree what he says about the end bit, but I totally agree what he says about Jesus. If Jesus is true, if he, if he did everything the Bible says he did, if he said everything that, that he said he did, if he is everything that the Bible says he is, what the only sane thing to do is, is to worship him. And so today, this passage is going to give us that choice. It's going to give you the choice of actually following Jesus or 
rejecting him. And not only rejecting him or following him, but to see what that means for your life. Now, now you're probably going, well, man, hands... I just heard the Bible being read, and it was all about light. And light is nice, isn't it? Right? You know, when it's really overcast, you just want a bit more light. You know, we live in Sydney, not in Melbourne, so we enjoy the light a bit more, right? But we've all experienced light that is really confrontational or even painful. I'm not sure if you've been in a dark room for a long time and then you've gone out into the middle of the day. The light is blinding, isn't it? It's kind of painful. It it, it makes you think, do I really want to be in the light? And Jesus is going to do the same thing as we look at this passage today. As we look at this passage, we're going to see three things. We're going to see that Jesus gives us a choice Jesus gives us a vocation and Jesus gives us a gift. A choice, a vocation and a gift. So if you close your Bibles, open them back up to John chapter 1 and we're going to look at and see that Jesus gives us a choice. Have a look at verse 5 with me. The light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now think about this, what does light do? Light illumines something so that you can see it. Light helps us see things. I'm not sure, once again, if you've ever been in a very dark room and you can't see anything, but then you turn the light on and then you can see everything. That's what light does. John here is saying Jesus does that. Jesus helps us see who God is. Jesus came to reveal who God is. And Jesus is that light that turns on the light so that we can see who God is. But also, it it helps us see who we are meant to be in response. Not only does the light of Jesus help us see who God is, but it helps us see who we're meant to be in response. And that's where the kind of conflict gets in. I wonder if you saw in that verse, there's a kind of weird word. Have a look at verse 5 again. The light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not what? Overcome it. Now now think about if you're in a dark room, you throw the light on, what does darkness do? Well, it kind of evaporates in the light. But do you notice how John is personifying both light and darkness? It's almost like they're in a relationship and darkness is hostile to light. The word overcome is a very hostile light. And, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you know uh, Star Wars, you know, the, the dark side and the light side, that kind of thing. And, and there's hostility here. But why? Why would the darkness be hostile to Jesus, who is the light? Well, if you read the Gospels, Jesus didn't just say a bunch of nice things. He did say some nice things, but Jesus said some really blunt things to us. Have a listen to some of the things that Jesus says. Here are the words of Jesus. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, 
For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is saying, in a very family-based culture, he's saying, you've got to love me more than anything. More than everything, you've got to love me. And guess what? If you trust in me, guess what? People may not like you. In fact, people in your own family, it will produce conflict. But even in the midst of that conflict, you've got to put me as number one. Or hear these words about, uh, that Jesus says. Whoever wants to be my disciple or his follower must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. We live in a world, don't we, where we don't deny ourselves. We actually give in to all our desires. Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you can't do that. You can't do what the world says and just give in to your desires. You've got to deny yourself, deny the parts of your life that are out of step with Jesus and follow him. Or, have a listen to this, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, guess what? All of the religions of the world are wrong. You want to know God, it's only through me. Or have another one. How about this? I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others... I will also acknowledge before the angels of God, but whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Jesus is saying your eternity is based on how you respond to him. Jesus is saying I am so, so important that you've got to put me number one in your life. Everything comes second to me. Now, as humans, we put ourselves first a lot of the time. I mean, just think about your kids. If your kids are anything like my kids, and, and of course, we were different when we were kids, of course, right? But, but, but you know, the, the, the problem with kids is um, they are, it's all about them. What they want now, it's got to be done now, it's got to be done their way, all that kind of thing. Now, as adults, we just learn to have those impulses in more mature ways, don't we? But we don't want people telling us what to do. I, I was having a phone call a couple of months ago with a, with a friend of mine, and he had a workplace conflict. And um, he was saying, you know, the boss wants, wants to do these things. He, he, he thinks uh, we, we should do all, the, all these kind of things. And I said, mate, look, what do you think about what the boss is saying. He goes, oh, no, I think it's a good idea. I just don't like being told what to do. And I was like, wow, you know, isn't that what we all are like? We don't like getting told what to do. And here is Jesus saying, actually, you've got to have your whole world revolve around me. I tell you what to do. Can you see how a world like that is hostile to Jesus? Can you see it in your own heart that you would be hostile to Jesus? And this is why, why uh, John says in John chapter 3, verse 19, you can flip over with me if you want. He says this, This is the, law, the verdict. 
Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will will be exposed. John, once again, is saying, hey, there's this clash between a world that is in darkness and Jesus who is coming in the light. And so many of us, we're just fine with being in darkness because Jesus exposes our life and points out the bits that he's saying, actually, these need to change. See, light has a habit of pointing out all the things that we don't like or all the things that are kind of a bit gross. I grew up in Moree, northwest New South Wales, and I had a bunch of friends who lived on, um, lived on farms and that kind of thing. And I remember going for a sleepover at one of, my pla- one of my mate's places, and he goes, oh, we should go and visit another one of his friends. And so we got in um, a Land Cruiser. He was 11 at the time, but yet could drive a Land Anyway, we, we drove to his friend's place a couple of k's away, and we got out, and his friend ran up to us, and he said, do you want to see something cool? And we were like, yeah, of course. And then he said, it's a bit scary but it's really cool. But if you don't want to see something cool because you're scared, you don't have to. And I was like, I'm 11, man. I'm I'm not scared of anything, right? So anyway, he he took us to this shed and he said, you've got to be very, very quiet. And when we go through the door, you've just got to squeeze yourself in the door. We can't throw the door open really, really wide. so, So we squeezed in. We were very, very quiet. And then he clicked on the light and the floor basically moved. There was a mice plague. And there were dozens, if not hundreds, of mice who in the darkness were very, very comfortable. But when the light came on, they fled. They hated the light because they were exposed. What John is saying is that we naturally hate the light because we are exposed. But some of you guys are going, oh, 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 hands, but that's not me. You know, I've got, a, I've got a different view of Jesus. Jesus, I believe he was really gracious. He was really loving. But here's the one thing about being gracious and being loving. Is that if someone's really loving towards you, they will point out the things in your life that are keeping you back from being who you are meant to be. And the problem with grace is that grace and love change us. And that's why so many of us reject grace and love because we don't want to be changed because change is painful and change is hard. And in changing, we have to say, yeah, I've got to change. I remember talking to one lady and I asked her about Jesus this is in my previous church, and she goes, oh, my view of Jesus is Jesus is really nice and he loved everyone. And I said, um, so why did Jesus die on the cross then? And she said, oh, because he just loved everyone and people didn't like that. And I was like, do you really think that in the Roman world anyone would just go, oh, is, who's running around going, oh, I just love everybody, I love you, do you love me? This is awesome, basically a hippie from the 60s. And someone would go, we've got to kill that. Probably not, right? In fact, definitely not. But if you read the Gospels, I said to her, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, 
what you'll see is that a, a different type of Jesus will emerge. Someone who is actually far more confrontational. Someone who will make you really uncomfortable. And she said, but that's why I don't read the Gospels. Because if I read the Bible, my view about Jesus would change and then I may have to change and that's why I don't read the Bible. I wonder if this morning you have heard about Jesus that is different from the Jesus that you thought about or you thought you believed. And I wonder if you've got the courage to read about Jesus for yourself. Maybe you've been brought by a friend and you can just go, hey, can we actually read one of those gospel things that he was talking about? Have you ever checked out Jesus as an adult, not just someone who went to Sunday school? See, John says that we either can be hostile to Jesus, but there's another thing. Have a look at verse 6. It says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. Did you see the other thing that we can do? We either can be hostile and try to overcome the light or we can believe in Jesus. Now, the belief in the Bible is not this thing where you just kind of believe that something exists, but it doesn't change your life. For example, like, you know, I believe polar bears exist, but it doesn't really change my life, right? It's not that kind of belief. It is the belief that changes you. It's the belief that changes you It's the trust in Jesus that changes you. And how does it change? Well, I think if we are trying to overcome the light, the first change is we've got to realise that we're just not just ignoring Jesus. And we're not just a bunch of people that need a bit bit better lives. We are rebels that need to lay down our arms at the foot of the king of the universe and say, you are king and I'm not. That's what belief in the Bible is all about. Are you willing to do that? Or are you going to be hostile? That's the choice that Jesus gives us. But also, he gives us who trust in him a vocation. Have a look once again at verse verse 6 with me, sorry. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness concerning that light so that all, through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. Did you see the word that was repeated twice? And that's witness. And did you also see the word testify? Very kind of legal language, isn't it? It's the idea that John, this guy who was out in the desert, his job was to tell people what he experienced about Jesus, what he knew about Jesus. That Jesus was on trial to the world, and yet John was saying, no, you've got to realise these things about Jesus. If you follow the Lord Jesus, do you realise that you are in a better place to tell people about Jesus than John was? Or David? Or Moses? Or anyone in the Old Testament? Because unlike John, who could only look at Jesus and say, Jesus is going to somehow take away the sin of the world, somehow Jesus is the one, the king of the universe, you can say it in its entirety. John died before Jesus died and rose again. But you know it all. 
You know that Jesus died for your sin and Jesus died and rose again. You know that Jesus is going to come back. So, so there's a sense in which you are a far better witness to Jesus than John was. Now, the thing is, you, you, you're probably thinking, if you know anything about John, does that mean I have to be really crazy like John? He was out in the middle of the desert. He was wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey, right? Does that, you know, I don't think so. But the question is, are you finding small ways to testify about Jesus, to witness about Jesus? Here's just a subtle thing. On Monday tomorrow, when people say, what did you do on the weekend? Tell them you went to church and you heard a sermon about Jesus. That's it. Now, that takes a lot of courage. I'm not saying that's easy. But you'd be, you'd be amazed at the conversations that that could generate. At the start of the year, um, or close to the start of the year, Tim, who's, who oversees our missions, uh, our, our missions uh, ministry, he said, oh, you know what we've got to do is we've got to have three people we pray for and uh, we've got to, you know, people you can invite to church. You've got to pray for, for them for one minute every day. And I thought, that's a great idea. And then I thought, oh, all the people I'm praying for aren't within a few minutes of coming to church. So I was like, okay, I've got to find another three, right? And so I prayed and it was interesting. I, all of the three people that I prayed for I've just mentioned little things. Oh, I'm a pastor, which is, I know you can't say, but I can say that, right? Or, hey, this is happening at church or something. It's interesting how many conversations I've had, just real subtle things. See, just as John sent, sorry, just as God sent John to the people of Israel, we are also sent to our workplaces, our schools, so that we may testify in small ways to be a witness to God. See, that is your vocation. That is your job if you follow the Lord Jesus. But you're probably going, well, well Hans, who am I? I'm nobody. I've got, got training. I haven't anything. But it's amazing how God does beautiful, amazing things through ordinary people when they're just faithful. There was once a, a lady and uh, she was going to church and she... Uh, she heard that the local school needed a bunch of scripture teachers. And she goes, well, that's just not me. I haven't been trained. I'm not really good on my feet. I don't, I don't like speaking in public. I don't, I'm not going to do it. But this lady got up four weeks in a row and said, we need scripture teachers. And finally, she went up, this lady went up to the, the, the lady asking for scripture teachers. She goes, um, what do you have to do to be a scripture teacher? And the lady just grabbed, grabbed a folder, gave it to her and said, it's all there. You're teaching year three on Monday. And so she freaked out. She goes, who am I? And she walked into the class and she was thoroughly prepared and it was the worst class she's ever had. They were rat bags. In fact, there's one snotty-nosed little brat that was terrible. And so she kept loving these kids, even though she felt totally inadequate, kept telling them about Jesus. And she prayed to God at the end of of the year, she goes, oh God, don't give me those kids again, give me different ones. And then she had a year four class, she walked in, guess what, she had all those four kids, including that snotty-nosed little brat who would research things to prove her wrong. And so she prayed at the end of year four, uh, 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 
end of the year and to pray, hey, God, I'm going to still teach, but just, give, just don't, let, don't let me have that snotty-nosed little brat in my class. And then year five, she had a year five class walks, and guess who's front row center? You, you guess that snotty-nosed little brat. At the end of that year, she went to someone higher than God. She went to the, the school scripture coordinator and said, just put me on a year three class again. The, the funny thing was that, that, that snotty-nosed little brat, a few years later, became a Christian, went to Bible college, and is now the pastor of Marsville Community Church. You don't know what God is going to do through your faithfulness. He just asks you to do what he's called you to do and be a witness and leave the results to him. Are you willing to be a witness? So, Jesus gives us a choice, a vocation, and finally, he gives us a gift. Have a look at verse 9 with me. It says this, The light that gives light to the world was coming into the world. I don't know about you, but when I read that, it's kind of confusing. The light, kind of personified, that gives light to the world. Of course, light gives light, so it's kind of like, what, what is he trying to say? Is, is coming into the world. Remember that Jesus is the light. And I think what, what it's saying, if you read the, the word light through the Gospel of John, it's a metaphor for salvation. Jesus is bringing himself to save. And who, who is it for? The light to everyone. He is coming into the world to save the world. The gift that we get at Christmas is Jesus who comes to save, who dies on the cross for our sin. That's this gift that John speaks of here. See, the thing is, no one is perfect. And we heard that in the testimony, didn't we? No one is perfect. We all need a saviour. We all need Jesus. And yet what John is saying here is Jesus is coming and he's using this word light as a metaphor. Jesus is coming to bring salvation to us, to save us. That means if you're far from God, you're not too far enough for God to come and save. And if Jesus came to bring salvation, do you know what your salvation rests on? Not you, but him. He's done it all. I don't know if you've seen a movie called The Last Emperor, where this young child is anointed the the king of China. And he's just a mere kid. And his brother comes up to him and he says, oh, you've got all these servants at your command, thousands of servants. What happens when you do something wrong? And the child king says, when I do something wrong, someone else is punished. And the brother looks at him weird. And then the king, the little boy who's a king or an emperor, grabs a pot and throws it on the ground and bursts. And then one of the servants are beaten to punish him. But actually the gospel, the Bible's different. See, in the last emperor, when the king does something wrong, his servants are punished. But in the gospel, when we do something wrong, the king is punished. Jesus, the king of the universe, came and died for you. So do you realize how special you are to God? 
despite us choosing darkness over light, despite us being hostile towards Jesus, Jesus loved you that much. You are so amazingly special to him. Jesus himself left heaven on a rescue mission to save you. Jesus was born in a manger, in a stable to save you. Jesus lived a poor life to save you. Jesus was rejected by his friends and by the very people he came for to save you. Jesus was beaten to save you. Jesus was flogged to save you. Jesus died on a cross to save you. Can I ask you a question? If that is what Jesus has done for you, why would you be hostile to him? Why would you choose a life not loving him? Why would you be so foolish to reject that kind of love? We are all looking for amazing love and you won't find it unless you accept the gift of Jesus this Christmas. So my question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Jesus gives you this great choice that you can either be hostile to him or believe in him and accept his gift of grace. What choice are you going to make? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you give us a clear choice. Lord, help us to make the right choice. Lord, I pray for those of us here today that, that have heard once again the words of Jesus or maybe even heard it for the first time. That there is something in this talk or something in the passage or something in the songs or something in the prayers that we've prayed that has kind of sparked something in them. Lord, I pray that they will pursue that. They will pursue Jesus. Maybe they would grab a Bible and read those Gospels that that I talked about. Maybe they would keep coming back. But Lord, I thank you for your grace shown in Jesus' times. Thank you that Jesus came to save us this Christmas and every day for the rest of our lives. May we live in response to him. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.